0: Right now, this one's about you, dude. This is about you. Yeah, buy my book. Buy Chris's book. book buy my book. Do fully it. Fully endorsed by me because I guess my opinion matters. <laughs> buy Chris's book.
1: Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. My book is out, everybody. My book is out. If you want to read it on ebook, you can get it on Kindle. If you want to read a paperback, you can go to Amazon and get it right now. My book, Switchers, sci fi, a little bit scary, time travel, suspenseful, adventure, action all those things have been used to describe it. It's great. Please go buy it. Anyway, today, to celebrate the release day of Switchers, I got back on with my buddy TJ Tranchell, an incredible author and also the editor of my book. So in uh, an effort to promote my buddy as both an author and an editor and to promote my book, here's an interview with TJ Tranchell, specifically focusing on editing and even more specifically... Focusing on the editing of my book. And then we also get in there and talk about his books, influences. Uh, geez, we talk about all kinds of things, really. Once you get towards the end. <laughs> uh, all right. We're all over the place towards the end of this one, but it's a good conversation. We had a good time. Hope you like it. And please look in the show notes to where you can go and buy my books and uh, buy TJ's books too but like he said this one's about me go out and buy Switchers and enjoy the interview here with my friend my editor TJ show for your third time even though it'll be your 2.5 <laughs> 2.5 yeah <laughs> so what's going on man
0: oh it's been a great week I finished my newest book yeah um, got it all compiled we have a really great plan with a publisher to do sort of a novella omnibus in a hardback mm. so fingers crossed that that works out and if it doesn't i might just do that myself yeah so we'll see how it works i'm excited
1: yeah that's so, awesome well um send me links for everything that i can uh possibly put up in show notes too
0: i will um the plan if if it works out with this publisher it'll be out in october okay cool so, yeah and if it doesn't it'll be out in october <laughs> <laughs> at the latest at the latest yeah
1: Yeah, it'll be your birthday present to yourself.
0: Exactly. Because we
1: didn't even mention that you were born on Halloween. We didn't say that on the podcast.
0: We didn't. That's kind of like my whole deal. Like that's (laughs) a foundational thing of my personality.
1: People are like, oh, that explains a lot.
0: It does. They say, oh, you know, like, or people say, I've been a horror fan my whole life. I watched Night of the Living Dead when I was 10, and I've been a horror fan ever since. I'm like, that's not your whole life. I have day one, day one.
1: Yeah. First thing you saw when you left the hospital was people walking around dressed like zombies. (laughs) Uh,
0: My sister, I have an older sister and she was out trick-or-treating with my grandma while I was being born. And so (laughs) not going to miss out on that. She was telling people, my mom's in the hospital having a baby and got just tons of candy. And this was in 1979 when like street to street, door to door trick-or-treating was still huge.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. People are like here. Give some of this to your mom too. Yeah, right. She's well. gonna need it. We came to to meet in the first place, and I already interviewed Jen, and uh, she'll be part of the whole. <laughs> week leading up series that I'm doing with this. And basically, the long, long story short, I met Jen through the podcast. She read my book and recommended you as an editor. I read your book, Tell No Man, and was like, this is my guy.
0: Yeah, I love how things work out like that. It really is that great sense of community when we can all say, you need to meet this person or talk to this person or let this person help you, or you can help this person. And really that's why i started editing for other people um okay honestly i started editing for other people because at the time i needed the money but um not unlike a lot of
1: people who um write also edit or agent or run a small press or you know format or do covers if they're talented that way
0: yeah it's really you know mutually beneficial and i'm also Inexpensive. I don't want to say cheap, but I'm inexpensive because I know, You're especially yeah, that's the word, reasonable. First time authors, first time self publishing authors. Yeah, there's a lot of money coming out right out of pocket, and I mean, that shouldn't if, mean you get less quality of work necessarily in place other places. So
1: yeah, that's why yeah, some people spend all their money on an editor and a formatter. And then they just end up having to throw together like a a crudely photoshopped cover that they made,
0: right? Or the opposite: they spend everything on the cover, and then yeah. what's inside isn't quite up to par. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: great and that's not cover, to say but I'm perfect.
0: Typos. Yeah, you know, I'm not perfect. I just redid um, for this omnibus the whole manuscripts from the first two books to fix some mistakes that got through that were my fault, and so. So I did that. I took care of that. Like that was on my list. Do you because edit your own stuff initially? I don't. Uh, well, I, you know, I do the basic writer revisions, yeah, 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 like that, but I'm not perfect. And I send it out. And one thing that happened in my last book is I had a great edit, great work, great stuff. And I needed to change a format thing
3: mm.
0: and it ended up causing a ton of typos that I didn't catch. Cause I didn't, think it was a thing and Mm. so it wasn't my editor's fault at all it was mine in the formatting that made it happen and so i fixed all of that and (laughs) and it looks much better so hopefully one way or another we're going to have a more complete and better product out there of mine and one of the things with editing of course is that we are human and we're going to miss things yeah and that sucks, but we do our best. Mm-hmm. And there's a Twitter thread, of course, going around right now of people picking out typos from big five traditional published books. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. Because people are human and people make mistakes. And your Microsoft Word spell checker and all that isn't perfect either because it doesn't know all of your little idiosyncrasies and things like that. So That's how the world works, right?
1: Initial feeling when you read the book, is this similar to stuff that you've worked on before? Or do you do a lot of stuff that's more in the horror genre that you write in?
0: Oddly enough, a lot of my editing has been more towards sci-fi and fantasy. Nice and so the very first book i edited for money was what they call lit rpg Hmm. where it's characters who are basically sucked into a role-playing game yeah Um, so essentially it's all these people who are writing now that grew up watching the dungeons and dragons cartoon from the 80s because that's exactly what happens (laughs) Uh, and so now like even my nine-year-old son is reading books based in the Minecraft universe where it's the same thing. They just get sucked into this world of the game and eventually characters are aware that they're in a game and have to figure out the rules and play by the game. And so that was my first editing for money project. And so those kind of fantasy and sci-fi elements aren't things that I write in general. And so that's one of the reasons I like to edit them. Mm. Um, Because I read a lot of that stuff on my own. And so I think that allows me to have the kind of distance from it that allows me to see the story better. Yeah. And then also to catch the things that need caught. Um, I've worked with another author on two of her books that are really high fantasy, epic fantasy stuff. And they're great, but she has a lot of very specific world building. And you got to get used to that stuff. And so in your book, there's a great sense of grounded reality because it's not set in a fantasy world, except that the future is a fantasy world because we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so it still has, even when it's, you know, more science fiction, it still has those same kind of fantasy world building, grand imaginative things, right? And I absolutely love that. And as far as being like anything I've edited or even anything I've read without spoiling anything for your readers, your actual time travel premise is so cool. (laughs) Thanks, man. Like um, I watch time travel movies with my wife. Like that's kind of the thing that we do sometimes. And we're always griping about, well, that just doesn't make sense. That's not going to work out. And I told her a little bit about yours. And she's like, yeah okay. that works, yeah, and so she sold on that that particular premise of it, and yeah, I feel and, like even
1: though it's still out there, it does bring some sense of grounded science, even though it's you know it's not it it kind of feels like yeah, but no, well, there's yeah. rules here, we can't just flip the switch, go back and forth ha 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 ha
0: and that's the best kind of sci fi for me, like you make it real enough. Yeah. that the one thing that's a little weird and different still makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. In this world of scientific development from where we are step A to where they are in X Y and Z it makes sense. It's yeah. logical. And you're not cheating anything either. Yeah. And that happens with time travel stories a lot where it's like yeah yeah oh, nobody Because well it's sci-fi it's fantasy nobody's gonna care i'm like no those readers care people who read that stuff consistently they care and if it doesn't if somebody thinks it doesn't quite work out right they're gonna let you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i can't wait to get enough people read the book hopefully fingers crossed that people start coming at me be like hold on hold on in part two chapter seven you said this and then later on on like page 350 these two things can't exist in the same. Like, oh, interesting. <laughs> just people find just little things that like, no, 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 no. Hold on.
0: And, you know, and that's going to happen even as carefully plotted as it is. Somebody will take issue with something. Yeah. You know, and that still happens to me. Like from my first book, I get a question all the time. What was going on in, the, in this town? And my constant excuse, and I think I mentioned this earlier, was that. My main character doesn't know, so why should you get to know? Yeah, and that's it's kind of a cop out. Um, and I so mean, in, this,
1: in the next book, isn't
0: it? It it sort of is, but it's also like ha 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 mysterious ha ha ha. ha, ha. Yeah,
1: yeah. And if so you didn't if you mean. didn't know what else to do, then that's 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 a cop out. It sounds yeah, like you like know I, what you're doing, and your I knew somebody. I sort yeah.
0: of knew what was going on, but like yeah. I wanted to leave it mysterious and be like let the readers decide what's going on you know maybe it's this and maybe it's that and maybe it's not any of those things yeah and so in the book i just finished um i addressed that like pretty head-on and and i think that's what's great about feedback and hopefully what um you'll get when the time comes is at least some of that positive feedback or it's like this one thing mm, i Didn't quite work for me, but the rest of the book is so good that that doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think, I think that'll happen with you. Yeah.
1: Fingers crossed. Going to a dispensary downtown Grand Rapids to sell my book at an art market this summer. That's they had awesome. a, they had a thing for local artists, and they said it's free to the first however many people that uh, that come. You just need to bring your own tent. Nice. And I was I was like, can authors do this? And they're like, absolutely. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I so don't you know, it. that's I don't know if you've got marketing tips, but that's that's my uh, my plan as of right now is to try to hit indie bookstores and then sell at this uh, dispensary.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic because that's a, a unique place, um, not to sound stereotypical or anything, but stoners love to read.
1: Yeah. And they love to read stuff that bend, bends their perception of reality a little bit. Right?
0: Bruh. Because that's the whole point. And yeah. especially something that messes with time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're going to eat that up. I would and hope so. Do, at things like that, the thing is you have to find... The unique thing in your book that is going to catch all kinds of readers. Yeah. And so one thing that happens to me, um, I have a a story about this heavy metal band in one of my collections. And when I'm at events like that, if I see, you know, some guy walking by wearing a a denim vest with a bunch of heavy metal band patches, I'm like, "Heavy metal guy, come here, I've got something for you." Yeah. And the funny thing is. The story in particular, I came up with this great name for the band. Had it published in another journal. That publisher actually found that there used to be a band with that same name. <laughs> and we were like, fingers crossed that like, you know, it's maybe not that great, but they were defunct. They hadn't recorded anything in years. Yeah. And so we let it slide. So I was at one event and I do that thing. I see, hey, heavy metal guy, come here, i got a story for you. He knew the people in that band. Uh <laughs> and like he was like, Oh, I gotta can I take a picture that he bought a book? I gotta show this to those guys, that's so cool. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Um I never heard anything, so I'm yeah. okay. Yeah, but yeah, you gotta find Tell them I don't have people, a lot of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell them I did it on purpose and maybe they'll sell some more albums. Yeah, right. But yeah, marketing-wise, you just gotta make that pitch like and change it depending on who you're looking at. You're selling the same book to who knows how many people and they're all going to want something different. Yeah. And knowing knowing your book well enough is your job. Yeah. That you can change it up to appeal to different people. And you know, you got a lot of stuff going on there. You can get the stranger things crowd that likes these coming of age stories you know, riding your bikes around, having an adventure during the yeah, summer yeah. kind of stuff. You're going to get, you know, the sci-fi time travel people, people who like Terminator and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and just people who like a good story, a good adventure story. You know.
1: Kudos on that too, because a lot of people forget that Terminator is at its core a time travel story.
0: Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just not some big robot trying to kill somebody that... <laughs> The time travel is, you know, the essential nature of it. It's not, it's not the point. It's the instigating action.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Here's what happens. Well, and in yours, again, not to spoil too much, um, you delay it so well. Like you're not just, you didn't drop it right at the beginning. This is a time travel story. Like it takes some time to figure out that's what's going on. And when it hits and at first you're like, no that character just sounds like they got hit in the head really hard i don't know yeah, yeah, And then yeah. it develops and you go oh wait there's actually something more happening here and that's really cool because it's not just happening to one person yeah. it starts to happen more and more and, and yeah. just that development of it i really enjoyed reading that
1: i i tried i I struggled with it for a long time thinking that it wasn't interesting enough right off the bat. And those people that are like, I just read the first two pages and if it doesn't get me, I throw it out, you know, like, um,
0: well, like you have to have a hook to get people yeah. in right at the beginning, but that doesn't mean you spill all your secrets on the first date.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that first chapter, that's really just like a paragraph and a half <laughs> that was added in later. Cause Susie said the same thing. She's like,
0: you know, you don't really have to do a lot. To get people interested you just have to give them enough to go oh, okay there's something i'm reading towards
1: yep so that's with with her help and your help hopefully <laughs> i straddled that line just enough to where it doesn't turn people off that are like come on man give me the meat and potatoes now ah right it worked for me Talk about not just this book, well, in particular this book, but in as a whole, kind of how you edit.
0: Yeah, so I have to read the whole thing first, no matter how long it is. to it be a short story, four hundred page novel, yeah, um, whatever it is. I have to read the whole thing first because I like stories. and if I'm trying to read something new and edit it at the same time, I'm gonna miss something. Yeah, I'm either going to miss parts of the story and then have to go back and go like, Oh wait, I missed that. Did that, is that consistent
3: Mm -hmm.
0: or I'm going to miss things in the editing? Like, you know, the smallest thing that could change an entire sentence. And so I do read the whole story first and then I go back to the beginning and that's when, you know, the red pen comes out and or track changes depending on um, the preferred media of the writer. Like I do still have people who want hard copy edits. And that's fun um, for me too. It's really old school. It just takes longer. I was gonna say, I I like them, but if
1: if you didn't have a preference, or at least a strong one, I'd be like, for for your sake, <laughs> let's just do it on the computer.
0: Well, and if there's a lot of things that can go wrong with hard copy too. A couple of years ago, like right before the pandemic started, um, I had a manuscript that I had finished and um sent off. The writer had a prepaid envelope and then the town i was in had a flood and it sat in this mailbox and got flooded and ruined and yeah and what can you do I, neither of us could do anything about it and so yeah. thankfully he was cool about it and gave me another shot at it later <laughs> and when we got it done but man like because we didn't know for so long i was like it's out of I don't know. Yeah. So, and, you know, and that sounds a lot like, you know, high school and college. No, I sent it. I <laughs> turned it in. Yeah. But, you know, just crap like that happens. And, you know, computer stuff happens too. Um, but, you know, I, I back everything up. <laughs> Learning the hard way on some things like that to, to back yeah. products up. Yeah, for sure. And so then once I get really into the editing it generally doesn't take me too long. Um, of course, sometimes it's not my day job. And so sometimes life happens and it takes a little longer and sometimes it goes a little faster. And,
1: well, you, and, you, know, you had said to me, you're like, hey, this is going to take a little bit longer because X, Y, and Z happened. And even with that, I think you still got back to me probably with a couple of weeks to spare before I would have been like, hey, what's, what's taking this guy so long? So your slow pace was still pretty good for me.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I have one that I'm trying to finish up right now that has been a bit slower than I would have liked. And then I have another that I need to start at the first of the month. But both Mm. of those are like, A, here's what's going on life wise. You know, kids get sick. I was sick. Job, just stuff. And then I had a June 1 deadline for that manuscript that I was talking about. So it's like, I had to finish my own thing too. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's a little easier to work with when you know, when you're transparent about it and you, you know, when working with writers, we're all sort of in the same headspace a little bit. And it's easier to say, I'm a little slower on your thing because the whole reason you even met me in the first place, I got to finish that too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would have a hard time sitting down to edit somebody else's like i mean i'd be motivated to to do it for the money or for the person or both but i would always be thinking about my own thing do you have a hard time switching off like your stuff or do you just kind of go back and forth if you have an idea really quick
0: that's a really great question because most often i'm always i seem to always be in the middle of something yeah. of my own lately and my particular style and the stories I'm telling are generally wildly different from the other things I'm editing, <laughs> just because of character and setting and things like that. Even yeah. if they're still horror and things like that, that I really don't have a lot of trouble separating that out. Um, especially because I read so much otherwise, right? Just novels yeah. and short stories and nonfiction and things like that, um, that I, I don't have that trap problem at all
1: i have that Um, problem just trying to read stuff like i i told uh (laughs) i told jen one time that i think one of the best compliments i can give her is that almost every time i read her stuff i usually stop before i want to because i feel like i need to go write my stuff now
0: (laughs) and that's great you know honestly that's the way it should be like we're all kind of inspiring each other yeah and i don't i don't think there's a writer out there who didn't get inspired to write because of a story right? yeah they read something and said that's what i want to do mm-hmm. um if i heard somebody say that i would deeply question them be like really what's you don't read you know and i know one guy who says that like he doesn't read anybody else's stuff anymore because he's always so busy writing his own and he's constantly churning out new stuff and that's all he does and that's great for him yeah. but you didn't start out that way right yeah you read before you wrote. Yeah. Right? You had to read a story. Yeah, you to have know to know how to tell a story.
1: It's two sides of the the same coin. People say how do you become a better writer? Read more. How do you become a better reader? <laughs> Write more. You try yeah. to figure out, "Oh, I can see what this person's trying to do now and they're doing it well or they're not doing it well."
0: You know, and some things, you know, you can pick out things that really work. Like sometimes there might be a book where the story's a little flat, but there's mm. just one character that you like that's a great character. Yeah. Or something that manages to last because it's so much of its time or told in a unique way even though maybe the characters aren't all that great. Um, yeah. Like like Dracula is a great example of that. Is Dracula objectively a great novel? No, it's not. But there are things about it that have lasted dracula as a character is fascinating van helsing mm-hmm. as a character is fascinating the way stoker wrote settings that he had never been to in romania in transylvania and eastern europe are fantastically realized to the yeah. point where so many people think that's what those places look like you right. know they've never been there either i've never been there and i want to that's like one of my bucket list things but the things that he did know which were those parts of England that he writes about, and the sort of Victorian aristocracy and theatricality like how to present a story that people will be engaged with those mm-hmm. are the things he could do, and those are the things he did well. And you can catch on to those things, and th- that's what lasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people I'm trying to remember who's the writer that everyone's like, one of the greatest horror writers of all time. Could not write dialogue to save his life.
0: Um, H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say someone told me H.P. Lovecraft is like the worst dialogue you'll ever read. He is
0: because he didn't like people. Yeah. If you don't like people, you don't listen to people. And if you don't listen to how people talk, you're not going to be able to write how yeah. people talk. The converse of that is Stephen King. Like all of his people, all of his characters talk like people talk. Yeah. You and can he hear, like, you can
1: actually hear different voices of different people within the same story. Just just from the way that he puts the words down. It's beautiful.
0: Because he listens to people. Yeah. And likes people in his own way, right? Yeah. And so that kind of stuff comes through. And for me, one of the things I love writing dialogue. And a lot of that is because I grew up very young watching movies. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And had a long stint in high school and junior high middle school theater theater is all about dialogue oh yeah it happens without dialogue yeah yeah. so you have to speak the story or it doesn't exist Mm. and so I love writing dialogue I probably write too much dialogue like you get some writers who it's just expository block prose and it's beautiful and it's action and things happening all the time and nobody says a word and that's great for them and I like reading that when it's done well but also people to talk yeah and I you know I've been a journalist and so hearing you have to ask people questions and they have to give you answers and people with single word answers aren't that great to talk to (laughs) yeah for sure
1: (laughs) my buddy Josh who formatted the book uh, Joshua Marcella, a very good writer himself, he just straight up asked me, he was like, what's up with these super short chapters, man?
0: <laughs> I like them. I like short chapters.
1: Yeah. Well, that, I definitely like books that have those big, long, drawn out chapters, but I feel like there's something to it. Somebody said that those short chapters, when you do them right, it's almost like a propellant. Like, oh, I can get through a chapter that fast. I'm just going to read a bunch of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep going so I don't know some people might call that hack like like, oh that's what James Patterson does
0: but the thing and this is something I do and I think you did it really well as well is those short chapters are like little cliffhangers Yeah, and especially when you're writing this time travel narrative you get to jump between time in a much more fluid manner Mm. and so those little cliffhangers like okay something has ended in this time now I'm going to jump forward or backward depending on where we are and i have to read this chapter because i need to get back to whatever is happening in the other place in time yeah and i can't skip anything because then i won't know the next chapter yeah and so those mini cliffhangers you know they do propel the story uh, but they also add so much suspense yeah you know and Hitchcock was great with suspense. Like his thing about suspense oh, was if if there's a bomb under the table and it goes off and nobody knows that it was there, that's scary, but it ends. If there's a bomb under the table and the people sitting at the table don't know it's there, but the audience does, that's suspense.
2: Yeah.
0: Because the audience is waiting for the bomb to go off. Yeah.
2: yeah and yeah. so
0: in a story like yours, the way it's written, we're we are very literally always waiting for the bomb to go off (laughs) yeah and i love that and i think you you know picked your moments to switch haha switch yeah really well like (laughs) because it does drive that suspense it's like okay when are we going to get back to that guy hanging out in the tree and but is he also over there like I got to know. And the only way to know is to keep reading. I
1: think that might be, I don't know why suspense wasn't on my tongue faster, but somebody said to me the other day, this, uh, they said the book almost kind of feels horror, but it's not scary. And I think that's maybe what it is. It's the, the, the suspense. It's not really like this, like constant fear and anxiety, but just. Oh, I'd say there's definitely anxiety.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's—I think—that's one of the great ways that it works out in a book like yours is that we are anxious. Mm. We're not necessarily afraid. Like there is some fear for what's going to happen to these people, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily the driving motivator. For me, the definition of excuse, of horror is a story in which fear is like, it doesn't have to be scary, right? But fear is the driving motivator, either as a subject or something that is dealt with. Are we dealing with someone's fear? Like we may not be afraid of the same thing, but someone's fear is very much on display. And then suspense, you know, there's some fear, but that's not the point. The point Mm -hmm. is, what's going to happen
1: Fear is almost a byproduct
0: yeah and like the difference between horror and thriller in the thriller or a mystery the point is to solve the mystery mm. yes you might be afraid at times along the way but ultimately the point is solve the mystery and yeah. so the great example is the silence of the lambs for me the silence of the lambs is horror because the point is what are all these people afraid of? If it was just a mystery or a thriller, then we wouldn't necessarily ever see Hannibal Lecter because what Clary Starling is afraid of wouldn't matter as yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. We're just trying yeah. to solve the mystery. Yeah. But what they're afraid of, what she is afraid of, and even what Lecter is afraid of, even though he'd never admit it, is the central point of the narrative. What are they afraid of? Mm. And so in yours, yeah, there's some fear. Um, teenagers are afraid of being adults. Adults are afraid of losing the spirit of their younger years and growing older, right? But that's not the point. Right? Yeah. Suspense on the other hand, keeping people waiting to find out what's going to happen is suspense. Yeah. When is it going to happen? When is this going to happen? We know something is going to happen. Especially, you know, in a time travel narrative, we know something bad is going to happen in the future. <laughs> when are we going to get there?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And that's suspenseful. Yeah.
1: Man. The The next book that I'm writing has a very specific, hateful, very smart, almost charismatic bad guy. But this book doesn't really have a central, like, this is the person or a small group or gang we're rooting against. It's just kind of like shit coming at you from everywhere.
2: Yeah.
3: And
1: as I was writing it, I kept thinking like, man, is this going to fall because it doesn't have that, uh, that, you know, character that balances out the the narrator, the hero, or the whoever else on the, on the other side. Um,
3: well,
0: the, the what are your thoughts your... On,
1: on that as a, a whole literary thing and, or how it applies
0: to this? In your case, while you do have a central narrator, um, all the other characters feel pretty equal. Yeah, and so even though yes, there's only there's one person telling the story, um, everybody feels so equal that I don't think we need that one big grand hero. Yeah, I kind
1: of, teased the, uh, teased, kind of actually uh, tease the or not tease, kind of toy with that whole chosen one. Like, oh, this guy is something special about this guy. And then, you know, not really.
0: Yeah, I think I think you handled that quite well. And so when you don't have a chosen one or a central villain or a central hero, you don't necessarily need a personified villain. Yeah. The villain in your case, if I can tell people. Is... Yeah, if
1: it's, if it's too bad when I'm editing, I'll just bleep it.
0: <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> the villain in your story is twofold it's time itself mm. which is inevitable if like you're not going to defeat it and Correct. that disease the spore that's the whole thing everybody the action is necessary for yeah and in that case when it's this sort of non-human entity as you have done people on both sides of the action, can be fighting against the same thing, but for very different reasons. Yeah, and so I don't think you, in this case, needed that sort of personified villain. Uh, and I if hope you had, not. I think it might have weakened the story. Um, Interesting, because, because if you have that personified villain, then what we want as readers is to have that final showdown. Yeah did you yeah. Did your story need that kind of final showdown? A one-on-one mano mano chosen one versus villain Neo versus Agent Smith kind of thing
1: a screenwriter would probably change it and make it so that the confrontation at the end was different
0: they probably would and you know we'll let
1: it do it If, if they ever wanted to I would say yeah that's go my thing and
0: sign that check and right? uh, With do some whatever you like, okay that's a different media <laughs> you have to appeal to somewhat different needs and expectations go for it do your thing yeah. and if they say well do you want to write the screenplay I'd be like no no I don't because I will nitpick my own shit and <laughs> probably fuck it up like no I'm not going to do that maybe let yeah. me write if it's successful I'll write something original We will do that. But no, I would it scares me too much.
1: If anybody asked me to write a screenplay based on this or anything else that I had written, like in a novel format, I would probably say, can I co-write it with somebody who's done it before?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good option. Like get me get me somebody an experienced mentor and coach who knows what they're doing. I mean, anybody can format a screenplay. I mean, there's software for that now. Yeah, 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 and that's the big thing. But again, (laughs) like the actual, what do you need in the screenplay? What do what can you leave out?
1: Which Um, characters can we combine into one? That's what they always do with Stephen King novels. Right, they'll take like four people and make them one person.
0: Who who gets left out? Yeah, right. You know, the big complaint with the Lord of the Rings movies is, "Where's Tom Bombadil?" Like, you know what? Only people who really love that character gave a crap. People, yeah. everyone else, nobody noticed.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I think of like uh, Adam Scott and Parks and Recreation. They're making fun of him for like in Lord of the Rings. It's like, I actually wasn't a fan of Peter Jackson's adaptation.
0: <laughs> and you're going to get those kind of people too. I mean, just whatever, you know? Yeah. And like, my stuff is so specific, especially Tell No Man in the religious aspects that. You know that's the thing that people have a problem with if it's not their known version of growing up in that. So, like, it's very much Utah Mormons, and so people who didn't grow up in these very specific culture of Utah Mormons Mm. have a different take on that. And and even some of the Utah Mormons like, well, you stopped going when you were a teenager, so what do you know?
1: Yeah. Did you have you gotten much blowback for writing about the? I wouldn't say blowback.
0: I didn't get as much blowback as I kind of hoped I would cuz that kind <laughs> you, of stuff. You sucks wanted to make works. a
1: bigger impression.
0: I did. I really did. <laughs> um, but that's okay. I'll live with it. Maybe the, maybe when the omnibus comes out we'll get a little bit bigger distribution and see what happens. So
1: yeah. And then you can uh Dude, I was <laughs> I would love to see that become a movie, not just for the reaction from that community but I think the reaction from that community would be interesting.
0: It would be like there's a lot of um, the big show right now is the adaptation of Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, I haven't uh, haven't read that. And so there was a John Krakauer, like pop journalism book um, about these two guys who murdered their sister-in-law and in oh. infant because God told them to. Yikes! Uh, yeah, it is horrifying. And so Krakauer wrote this book about it and then included a lot of the LDS history and things hmm. like that. And at the time, the church was like, this is all bullcrap. Was, was, was he Mormon? No, no, he's just a journalist who okay. tackles those kind of subjects, right? So he, he was very critical of the church and things like that. Yeah. And so now, all these years later, there's a show on Hulu and FX that is a very loose adaptation of the book. Um, But of course, it's the same deal. All the church, official church people are like, this is garbage. They get all this and this and this and this wrong. It's like, yeah, but it gets the people right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, most fascinatingly, because the people who are involved in that uh, grew up in the same place that my family did. Yeah. So anytime we have these family gatherings, I like to tell those kind of stories to my younger cousins and their kids now. <laughs> just to scare the crap out of them and i always go with they always think well that that couldn't have happened that's not true and i say ask any of your aunts and uncles and at the time the last time i did this one of them walked by and my cousin said is this true and my aunt was like oh yeah blah 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 and we hung out with them when we were kids and i was like see
1: (laughs) you can mess with them too uh be like hey you know that that uh trumpet fell so that means end of times is coming Oh, so, yeah. for anybody that doesn't know what i'm talking about got to go back and listen to uh, tj's interview because he d- did this whole thing talking about uh the um the trumpet at which uh was it the big the main big temple?
0: it was the uh, there was an earthquake in salt lake and it and the trumpet of the angel moroni fell and so for a lot of people that was one of the signs of the end times and that happened right when Corona pandemic because it was like written its first wave,
1: written down. I don't know if it was like in the time of John Smith or whoever. Uh, yeah, I'm just making sure I'm getting my, my history right, right? John Smith, Joseph, Joseph Smith, damn it,
0: it's okay.
1: Ah. All right, so Joseph Smith, was this stuff from like back when he was still alive that this was written that this stuff would happen,
0: or um, some of it was his stuff, some of it was well, no, because the...
1: they didn't have the big temple back, no, then. the
0: temple wasn't done. Yeah, But, you know, metaphorically, you know, there's a lot of revision um, in the early days <laughs> yeah. to, to make things match up where they were at yeah. the time. And so basically Which, for anybody like,
1: that's judging,
0: the Christianity
1: as a whole did the exact same thing where they're like, let's edit and scrub the parts of the Bible that we like and don't like and just get rid of the books yeah. that don't agree. Right.
0: and it, it, it happens. Yeah. And so basically things from anything written between eighteen fifty and nineteen hundred, you know, got got eased a little bit. Hmm. And you know, there's some stuff that there's other documentation for that is pretty frightening that's not necessarily in scripture. Yeah. And things like that. But that was one of the things in there. Um, there's a lot of end time prophecy that's very specifically american because the lds mormons is a very american religion yeah 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 and so it's scared a lot of people but you know their excuses of course well we knew there were were some structural issues and we were planning to do construction and so like right away they had a bunch of other construction going on <laughs> to to fix some stuff from this 150 year old building yeah
1: well, you know, ultimately, a really
0: nice excuse,
1: yeah. Ultimately, if God wants that thing to fall, it's gonna fall. It doesn't matter how much construction you do.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was still living there in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a, a tornado that came through the Salt Lake Valley and it hit other buildings near the temple because that's how tornadoes are. They're like
1: all over the place, as opposed zigzaggy. To,
0: And so, it didn't hit the temple there, but it hit some other buildings in town and it hit the the arena where the utah jazz play and things like that and, and everybody was like we're in the mountains we don't have tornadoes yeah 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 things are gonna get worse And like well they didn't there's been a couple yeah. other small spot tornadoes since then in different places in the state but yeah yeah it's a prepper religion it's a survivalist religion so everybody has their three days of food and water and a year supply of rice and beans and yeah, yeah. And early people on People in you, your book could use some of that preparation. They might have had a better time. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> oh, since we're talking about Mormons, I want to ask you if you ever heard about the um I guess apparently when when Brigham Young became like the head of the the Mormon church, there was another guy who was kind of like possibly in line for it. And when he didn't get it, he took his group of Mormons and they all moved to an island in the Great Lakes. You ever hear about this this guy? Yeah.
0: And there were there were a couple things like that. There was that one. Um, there's others that moved to Mexico. Like at yeah. the time, Utah was still. Well, Mexico.
1: Mitt Romney's grandpa moved to Mexico, yeah. right?
0: And yeah. you know, it wasn't just to because they were mad at some church stuff. It was because they wanted to still practice polygamy.
1: That's what I had always heard too, but I don't. <laughs>
0: I don't think that was necessarily true for everyone. Yeah, uh, but. You know, it might have been just time. like
1: they wanted less persecution in general.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's it's so fascinating because the religion itself is very self-governing. Yeah. Like if they didn't have to have legal, federal and state governments, it would just be a theocracy. And, you know, there's a lot of claims that Utah is still like that. And a lot of that's still true. Yeah. Um, there are There are pockets of what I call pockets of sanity. <laughs> where it's not true, thankfully, but in a yeah, lot yeah. of places it still is. yeah. And and so those kind of anti-government, self-governing things, you know, anytime, it, it's a weirdly rebellious, like you have to listen to us, but we don't have to listen to anybody else yeah, kind of thing. So those split-offs were a lot like that. It's like, you don't get to tell us what to do.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, somebody somebody's always, nope. God told me directly.
0: Oh, that's exactly <laughs> how it is. Nope. Because yeah. the church does believe in personal revelation that you can be told from God things about yourself. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of that is those things that apply to yourself must apply to other people too. And so you move off your whole family or three or four families bail out and go somewhere else. And
1: yeah. All kinds of weird stuff. And the Nays end up settling. I'm trying to remember the name of the island. I think if you go to it now, they've torn down all the stuff that used to be there. But uh, from what I read about it, like either the CIA and or the FBI descended upon this island and took everybody off of it. And by the time they had gotten there, this guy was basically just saying he was like the the second coming and everyone was worshiping him as a god.
0: There are a lot of those um Jesus's. There yeah. there was one out here in Washington where I live too. And I didn't know about this one when until I moved there in Walla Walla. You can drive up to a spot. It's the coolest um, name ever. Walla Walla, Washington. Yep. The the place so nice they named it twice. But you can drive up uh, into the little foothills there and there's a big sign about the Walla Walla Jesus. And it was just another group of Mormons. They built their little encampment and then they all got sick and died. Oh, no, yeah, that's not funny. Just walla walla Jesus. No, sounds really it's hilarious. Funny. Actually, I think it's walla walla
1: Jesus. Is I can't say. It
0: without laughing. Google it, dude. It's there.
1: I mean, it's okay. Hilarious. Sorry, anybody who's like the thing you're laughing about isn't funny. I'm not laughing about that. I'm only laughing about the walla walla Jesus. No, it's fine. <sighs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I did not think that was gonna make me lose my shit like
0: that. Uh, sorry no you're okay it is it is funny because it's like really there okay but again it's one of those places where nobody else lived at the time yeah it was all which is bullcrap because it was native land
1: well yeah anytime anybody <laughs> says oh yeah, yeah all this land was just here it's like what was it
0: Right. No, well, yeah, the land was always there. And like so were a bunch of these other people and they hid from your white ass because they didn't want you to kill them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody uh the guy I interviewed from Oregon, uh, Chris Derridex, he works at the University of Oregon. Um he was saying that it's a there's a very complicated relationship right now between uh, you know, all the non-natives and the native people who live there. And they're kind of trying to like restore some of the rights and lands and things but
0: it'd be great to yeah. do something right for once instead of <laughs> just being an asshole
1: yeah yeah i just i just did a podcast too, uh just a solo one where i did a, a deeper dive on the star-spangled banner and uh it turns out that it's a racist poem that oh, was yeah. set to a old uh, drinking song
0: <laughs> look they were in the middle of a war i'd be drunk too
1: yeah, it was a song about a Greek poet who loved wine. So that's where the, the melody comes from. <laughs> it's a drinking song about wine.
0: Which just goes to show the most uniquely American things were still stolen.
1: <laughs> and the and we celebrate alcohol and racism.
0: Yep. And still <laughs> other cultures' holidays. Do the Irish give a shit about St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick do, isn't even Irish, right? Do <laughs> do any like people in actual Mexico celebrate Cinco de Mayo? I mean, the reason for it's a big deal. It was a big battle that they had won. But, yeah,
1: like, it was about it's, it's about Mexican independence, right? It's not actually or, the Mexican rebel. And I thought it was something to do with independence.
0: It was just it was a battle from the people who were there against the Spanish, and the thing is <laughs> the general who won that battle ended up becoming a dictator and <laughs> ruling harshly over the country for a long time. And people didn't like him. <laughs> so I think if it wasn't for white Americans wanting another party day, Cinco de Mayo would be a thing. Yeah. Like the actual you- Mexican independence day is in September. It's probably
1: like Hallmark uh, started Valentine's day. Jose Cuervo started. Uh, yeah. Cinco de yeah. Mayo maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we must have said just about everything we could say about the book because now we're talking about. <laughs> nah, I bio. could say
0: more. Um, <laughs> let's see.
1: Oh, one thing, one other thing too that I talked about on that same podcast was the um, um, uh, not the Star Spangled Banner, the Pledge of Allegiance. Did you know that the original Pledge of Allegiance did not say God in it, and it was written by a pastor, but. It was written as part of an ad marketing campaign to sell flags for Columbus Day.
0: Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I knew about the the under god thing not being in there because that was a big deal.
1: Yeah. It was added in the 50s because they were afraid of communism. Yeah. How does that how does adding under god to the pledge stop communism? Well, it
0: doesn't stop it, but you know, communism is the American perception of Soviet communism. Like you have to say that, right? Because yeah marxist communism and communism in action in the soviet union are wildly different things yeah um but so the perception of soviet communism is that it was very atheist and so the only way to fight that is with god
2: yeah
0: like uh, being atheist oh. is a bad thing i don't know yeah. i and mean I, that... a Christian. I go to church now but that doesn't mean i'm gonna shove it down other people's throats
1: yeah You're the good kind of person that goes to church. You're the just let them do what they want kind of kind of guy.
0: I care about people enough to leave them the fuck alone.
1: (laughs) And one one last thing I'll tell you is the guy that wrote it. His last name was Bellamy, and they actually called something uh, the way that you're supposed to do it was not like this. They called it the Bellamy salute, and the Bellamy salute looked like this. (laughs) So when we originally did the Pledge of Allegiance, (laughs) we basically did the the Nazi salute, Mm. and then. When the 1940s came around, they said, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. And then they said, let's model it after the Roman salute of the fist over the heart, but we'll open the palm instead.
0: Right, because that's so much better.
1: Yeah, but they actually had a guideline that would say arm fully extended, palm uh, outward raised as high as the forehead out towards the flag. So for the first couple decades or so, the pledge, if you went back in time, you'd see people doing uh doing more of a hitler style salute at the flag saying i pledge allegiance to the united states
0: i wonder if we have any photo evidence of that that's it it must be
1: out there somewhere
0: it's got to be and i wonder how much you know because what i would hate to see would be people using that and as misinformation and like tagging the time different yeah because that if could be not, that
1: people be like yeah <laughs> proof that time travel exists Ugh. in an alternate version of history we were doing this to the flag
0: we're all we're well philip k dick we're all in the man in the high castle
1: oh man i wanted to see that i haven't seen it yet the the adaptation they made on um it's
0: pretty that good. A hulu one too amazon amazon is it really yeah oh shit and they actually like unlike some other streaming services let it run its course and do the whole thing before they're <laughs> like okay now we're done
1: yeah yeah well hey man i told you i'd get you out of here in under an hour and i still can so um thank you for coming on uh next time you've got something uh dropping which you said will be closer to your birthday yeah just give me a shout and say hey man can i come on this month or you know next month give me like a month ahead of heads up
0: absolutely yeah i'm glad we got through this hour with no no issues for anyone listening we tried this a week ago And like 10 minutes in, my computer crashed.
1: Yeah. just Not even
0: like blue screen of death, just dead.
1: And you were mid-sentence, and when it stopped, it just froze. So I sat there waiting like, okay, (laughs) for just for a minute or two, and then I was like, I don't think he's coming back.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Got it all in. So, hey, listeners, buy Chris's book.
1: Yeah, and buy any one of TJ's books and or all of them.
0: All would be fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, right now, this one's about you, dude. This is about you.
1: Yeah. Buy my buy Chris's book.
0: book Switcher, buy my book.
2: Do
1: fully it. Fully
0: endorsed by me because I guess my opinion matters. <laughs> buy Chris's book. Thanks, man. Your future self will thank you. <laughs> you, should, you, you should be using that. I'm just going to say, you should be using that.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got for you. Thank you for listening to this one with TJ. Check him out and go out and buy my book, Switchers, available on ebook and in paperback. Links in the show notes, or just go to my website ChristopherTalon.com or Amazon.com. I love you all. Happy reading. Mwah.
2: weird right